You're listening to Revelation Reveal. Today, we're going to tackle the myth that heaven is forever. Are you ever afraid of going to heaven? Have you ever thought, man, the idea of like being a ghost with a harp and a cloud singing for 10 million years? I mean, it kind of feels weird. I don't know if that's my great hope. I kind of like the natural world. I kind of like nature and trees and, and the wind. And I like architecture. And I like things about culture and the way this world is. There's something beautiful about creation. Is it just all going to go away? Are we just going to float in the clouds? Well, no. <laughs> Heaven is not the final destination for Christians. And even that idea that we're just in harps, that we have harps and we're floating in heaven and, and all this stuff. Even that is just a cultural idea. That's not actually accurate. Uh, but the great hope of the Christian life, and we hear this in the Apostles' Creed, which Catholics and uh, Protestants and Eastern Orthodox Christians all believe is in the resurrection of the dead. Uh, not just the resurrection of Jesus, but that when Jesus returns, we too will be raised from the dead. That our souls in heaven will be reunited with our bodies on earth and given bodies that are transformed so that they no longer decay, that they no longer die, and that they no longer sin. Our bodies will be like Jesus' resurrected body. That's what 1 Corinthians 15 is. There's a great mystery to this, but that's the great hope to the Christian life. That we're going to live forever under God's rule in this world. But this world recreated, reshaped in a new heavens and a new earth. And that's what Revelation 20, 21, and 22 are about. This new heavens and new earth. So let's look at a couple aspects of this new heavens and new earth. The first aspect of this new heavens and new earth is that God will judge the world. God will judge the world. At the end of Revelation 20, what we see is the sea gives up all of its dead bodies. This is the resurrection of everybody. Every single human being, Christian or not, will be raised from the dead. And they're going to come before God's judgment throne. And at God's judgment throne, there are a set of books that calculate or have recorded all of the deeds of every human being who's ever lived. And there's also another book that's open called the Book of Life that has a list of names in it. And the whole thing is that every single person will be held to account for all of their actions recorded in these multiple books. And by those standards, they're going to be judged. And they're going to be cast into the lake of fire, which is called the second death. That's where Satan, the false prophet, the beast, death, and Hades all are thrown, and all the fallen angels. That is not the place you want to go. It is eternal judgment. And all people for their sin will be judged, except for the people whose names are written in the book of life. Those are the people who are in Jesus Christ. They will be spared and they will inherit the entire world with resurrected bodies and live forever with God. And this judgment is the final defeat of death. Death itself is thrown into the lake of fire. So death will no longer exist. And, and that is the final enemy that Jesus conquers. Again, that's 1 Corinthians 15. The final enemy, the final aspect of sin that God destroys is death. And we see that at the judgment. The second thing we see in the new heavens and new earth is that there will be no pain or sin. There's no, there's going to be no pain or no sin. We see in Revelation 21, God brings down a city called the New Jerusalem, and it comes from heaven to earth. Remember, the Lord's Prayer, 
I want your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, this is exactly what's happening. God's kingdom fully comes down from heaven to earth. And what we see is this new Jerusalem, this new heavens, new earth, uh, has this new Jerusalem, which is shaped like a perfect cube. It's 1,500 miles into the sky, which probably means this is symbolic because you would be in outer space at that point. But what's it symbolic of? It's a perfect cube. Well, if you look back in the Old Testament, in the temple, the very, the most holy place in the temple, where the Ark of the Covenant was, where the Law of Moses was, where the high priest could only go to offer the final sacrifice, that most holy place was a perfect cube. It's the only perfect cube in the Old Testament. And this is the only perfect cube in the New Testament. So what we're seeing here is that when God's kingdom is fully realized when Jesus returns, they're not going to need a most holy place. That the meeting place between God and man will be the entire city. The whole place is filled with God's presence. That is where God will dwell. And God's goal is to wipe away all of our tears, all of our pain, death itself, and all suffering in this new world. Because the new heavens and new earth has come in, the old heavens and the old earth is passing away. So notice that that heaven itself will be transformed. That right now, earth and heaven are separated, but in the new heavens and new earth, they will be united. They will be, uh, they will be brought together in the new heavens and the new earth. The old heavens is passing away, the new heavens is coming. The old earth is passing away, the new earth is coming and will be finished when Jesus Christ returns. We also see a tree of life. We see this crystal river flowing through the city, and on one side is a tree of life. It's got 12 fruits, and, uh, and its leaves are for the healing of the nations. What does this mean? This is talking about world peace. That because God is going to cut off all those who sin, and we see that, that, that people who are sinners are not allowed to enter into the city. They're cut off. They're thrown away. All those who are cowardly, who are sexually immoral, who are evil and liars. I mean, those people who are unrepentant in their sin outside of Christ will not be allowed to taint God's new world anymore. They will be kept separated from it. And in God's new world, the very kings of the nations will come. I think this is talking about how Gentiles will be part of this new kingdom. That Jerusalem, which used to just be for the Jews, will now be filled with people of every tribe, tongue, and nation. The kings will bring tribute because they trust in Christ. They glorify God. They know God truly. Nations will be discipled under the rulership of Christ. Just like the Great Commission said, disciple the nations. Nations will fall under Christ's rule. And this is a complete reversal of Babel, right? The nations are a result of the Tower of Babel in, in the first part of Genesis. And now the nations are redeemed and become part of God's beautiful new world. And it comes from this tree of life that Adam and Eve were cut off from will now be, will now be given to the whole world, that all may partake of it. And finally, not only does he take away our pain and our, and, our, and our sin, but he's going to fully be with us, fully be our God, and we will fully be his people. Uh, one of the things in, in 1 Corinthians, I believe it's 1 Corinthians 13 or 14, where it says we, we, we see in part, we see through a glass dimly, that, that our knowledge of God, that our relationship with God, this side of, of eternity, is not perfect. 
uh, that we don't know God as we one day will. Well, in Revelation 21, we, we see God as, as we ought to see him. That because sin is completely eradicated, we can behold God in a way that we can't now. This is what theologians call the, the beatific vision. I, mean, I hope I'm hope I'm pronouncing that right, but, but it, it's this vision of God unhampered by our sin. And we see that God will finally be our God and we will finally be his people in the fullest sense because we will be like him. We're going to be like him. We're going to see his face. Even the angels, even the seraphim in heaven have to cover their eyes from God's glory. But we will be so transformed that we're going to see his face. That the deepest longings of our heart will be met. We're going to see God. And that's the great hope. It's not even just eternal life. It's not even just a world without pain. It's not even just our tears being wiped away. It's not even just the fact that we're going to see our deceased loved ones. The great gift of the gospel is God himself. And the great hope of the gospel, the great hope of revelation, is not just death is defeated, but but we're going to see and behold God, the God we were created to know. St. Augustine said that we'll never find rest until we find our rest in God. And this is a picture of that perfect rest. So think about, work that backwards into your life now. If this is where we're headed, if this is the great fulfillment of our souls to be in the presence of God, well then, that's, that's, that's what's going to fulfill us now. That's what we were made for. And the more that we turn away from God, the more that we worship our idols, the more that we refuse to listen to his word, the, the more that we are captivated by anything other than God, the more that our loves are disordered, the more that we love good things more than God, the further away from our purpose and the further away from our ultimate satisfaction and contentment we drive ourselves from. This is the ultimate revelation of revelation. This is revelation revealed. It is about God undoing the curse of sin to bring back his people to himself out of the sheer goodness and love that is unchanging, unbending, always faithful in his character. Do you believe that? How would that reshape your quarantine? How would that reshape your life today? What would that open up in your life? I think it would change it. It has been for thousands of years. Thank you so much for listening to this series. Uh, I hope that it has been a blessing to you. I hope that it's helped you, encouraged you, given you a new appreciation for this book. And uh, I just was personally so helped by my own study in this. And we really, we seriously need, especially in this time of isolation, especially in this time when everything's so uncertain, we need to be people of the Word of God. We need to be people of hope, and we need to love each other, we need to pray for each other, and we need to really be about what we say we're about.